Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 361 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with. So we meet again, Buzz Lightyear, for the last time. Not today, sir. Matt, how are you doing? I'm very good, David. How are you? I'm very well as well. Before we start to get into things, uh, just an apology for the fact that there wasn't an episode last week. I had some stuff I had to deal with on Monday. My parents are moving house and uh, they're both quite elderly. So that took a lot longer than I was originally planning. So uh, ended Mm -hmm. up not being able to get a show together last week. But uh, we'll be back this week and uh, we'll cover sort of stuff in the last couple of weeks. So uh, what have you been up to, Matt? Uh, Apart from the other weekly shows, some of which we cover also, started Cyberpunk Edgerunners. This is an anime based on the Cyberpunk video game. Uh, the interesting way they've done this is it's not sort of a retelling of the game's story or, or something like that. It takes like new characters and tells a bit more of an original story. Still uses like recognizable locations and even like, you know, ringtone sounds and all that type of right, stuff. Yeah, so yeah. given the fact that Cyberpunk's been out for weird, it's been out for almost two years, people have gotten familiar with the game and that type of stuff. So it was a good time to release the anime. I think it's really, really good. I'm not really like familiar with anime type stuff. I've seen clips and trailers and things for, for anime, but I've not watched any full episodes. Uh, it's funny, my sister watches anime and she's like recommended a, a few things to me. I've heard um, Attack on Titan come up a few times and yes. things like One Piece and that type of stuff. Again, it's not that I dislike that stuff. It's just I've I've never just gone over and tried it. But no, this is really good. It's quite bonkers at points, which you'd sort of expect. But I really, really like it. You've got basically 10 episodes and they're about half an hour each. I did read something a few days ago. that said there's no plans at the moment for season two. And yeah. look, if they haven't got if they haven't got like a story written out for season two or something like that, then obviously it's not a good idea to force it. But yeah, it's pretty interesting watching this. And one kind of interesting, notable difference is obviously in the, in the games themselves, when you want to do fast travel, there's no cart system, even though there is tracks for it. They just yes, never got they never got right to put it in. Yeah. When the character takes like a train or whatever you want to call it on the show, he does get into the train, which is interesting because the first time we properly saw Cyberpunk when that trailer began, he was on a train cart. So they, they do exist in the world of cyberpunk they're just not on the games yes um although some people have done like pc mods and stuff which is which is very very cool so maybe one day maybe one day they'll put them in there yeah but you got that going on as well won't get into the story spoilers or anything but it doesn't really waste much time getting things started and really just kind of it throws a lot of the main character in quite a dramatic way 
but you'll see the character go to like the Ripper docks. That's where you can go and get like your body enhancements and things like that. You'll see this character go to school. He's basically he's at school at the moment. He's at sort of like teenage sort of age. And then he kind of gets caught up in this group, and this group is a, a bunch of like net runners and things like that. Obviously, they go and do dodgy deals and things around the city because that's the uh, situation they got themselves into. But it's very very good. I really like it so far. The episodes are really like quite short and quite quick. So uh, been very good so far. Have you had a chance to check that out at all? I haven't looked at it yet. No. But I have seen some genuinely positive things about it, which is cool. Yeah. I've even seen people doing cosplays of it, which is usually a sign that it's doing all right. So oh, nice. people on Reddit posting cosplays of, that they're trying out for upcoming events and things. That's quite cool. And yeah, I read the same thing, I think, as you, where they planned it as a self-contained one-off thing rather mm-hmm. than doing multiple seasons, which is great. I mean, if that's what they want to do, it's probably the safest thing to do when you're doing something for Netflix anyway. So That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I need to do another podcast on Netflix. I, I want to do, you know, when I did before that podcast, 14 Steps to Fix the DCEU, I want to do like a similar thing for Netflix. <laughs> yeah. There's a few very glaring issues over there. But anyway, Cyberpunk's great. Regardless of what's going on in Netflix, Cyberpunk is uh, is great. It's called Edge Runners. It's probably near their sort of popular shows still and all that type of stuff. So yeah. it's very good. Call of Duty Modern Warfare sort of came out as Modern Warfare 2. It's a game I've been talking about for over a year at this point. Uh, we, we've been anticipating it for a while. The follow-up to 2019's Modern Warfare 19. By the way, the reason that game is called Modern Warfare 19 is because it is technically Modern Warfare 1, but it was released in 2019, so it, that's its sort of nickname, if you right, are, okay. if you will. So instead of calling it Modern Warfare 1 and some people saying, hey, are you talking about the 2007 game? No, I'm talking about the 2019 game. Yes. So there was probably somewhere along the lines that they should have named these a bit better. But anyway, we, we still get what I'm, what I'm talking yeah. about. So the game got the early access, and of course, given how excited I was and the fact that I'll be playing this game for a couple of years I did pre-order it that gave me early access to the campaign so it's a week early finished it in space of a couple of days they're, they're Call of Duty campaigns so they're not like these you know 50 hour uh, yes. JRPG sort of things or whatever really 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 good uh, they've done some really good interesting stuff with the set pieces and the gameplay and the gunplay because I remember describing before what the gunplay was like after we had the beta which was before obviously the, the campaign came out the two weekends of beta that we had and the gunplay is just absolutely top class from the, the animations the way the guns actually feel to shoot and the sound design and the animations and things like that and particularly with DualSense controller on the PlayStation what they've kind of done because you've got what's called the adaptive triggers which what you can sort of do is put different steps to how you press the trigger or you can press them in different ways it depends what the developers want to do mm-hmm. but it's instead of it being more of a lever it you can turn it into a button and what they've kind of done is because that's not how a trigger on a gun would work, it is kind of a button. It's got the same sort of pressure on it. So when you are in the game, you can sort of like, let's say you're preparing to, to get your shot off or whatever, if it's a stealth mission, you could just put like a little bit of pressure on the trigger to sort of get yourself ready and then press it as an actual button when you're ready to shoot. Right. It's a little bit different as to what we've normally had. So that's really good. And haptic feedback with that is great. And like when you're reloading and stuff, it's got a bit more oomph to it, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, the campaign itself, I was describing this on Gaming Talk to the audience two days ago, but the, the ending just kind of made my brain completely explode because I'm both really, really excited of where they're going and it's interesting because as somebody who's played the original three Modern Warfare games, and this game does lean a bit on nostalgia and like classic lines and things like that in a really smart, in a really good way. When they reveal to you what they're doing for the next 
part, which obviously I won't tell you what it is, you'll go, oh yeah, of course you'll go in there next. But during the entirety of the campaign, and luckily I hadn't seen any spoilers for this online, you don't like think about that at all. Mm-hmm. So they're them revealing like, oh, this is where we're going next. Because they sort of name drop somebody and then they show a, a little cutscene after that. So it's sort of two post-credit scenes. It's really amazing where they're going to be going with this. I can't go into more detail than that, but I'm very, very excited. There's, there's rumors of, because uh, there's no Call of Duty game next year, there's rumors that this game will get campaign DLC. I don't know if that big of a thing you say for a DLC or if that's going to be for Modern Warfare 3. Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing that as a DLC, I don't know what you could do for Modern Warfare 3 because you have to do something even bigger. But I was just sitting there thinking about it for like a good 10 minutes while watching the credits. It was uh, pretty crazy where they're they're sort of going. But really, really enjoy that. Uh, The full game actually comes out, I think it is this week, uh, the 28th, so it's Friday. Although they may do like an earlier Thursday-ish or 6 p.m. launch. They've tended to sort of do that a bit. Like they did with the beta and they did with the campaign. So got all that going on. And that will be where like, obviously the multiplayer comes out. Warzone, which I'm not going to play anyway, doesn't come out until November. So those are sort of your, they've done a bit of a staggered release, but it's been smart to build up like the anticipation and stuff. So I um, had my final Modern Warfare 19 games as well. Tried to finish that off in a good way. Went through and read like my stats and things like that. So that was all quite good. Over on the film side of things, we were having a bit of a chat about it yesterday and I sort of just got back from seeing it. I thought I'd give it a bit of a mention on here. I did do my full review yesterday, but I went to see Black Adam. Yeah. Which is, is is the newest actual DCEU film, because if you remember the Batman, even though it is a DC film, it's not a DCEU film, because reasons, because Ben is kind of still playing Batman, but they're not really sure. So we got three people who are kind of playing Batman, but we're not really sure which is the actual yes. full-time Batman, I suppose. I didn't like it. Two particular things that stood out is the writing I thought was relatively quite bad at certain points. And what they do with the tone of this film is really strange and really quite all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's Easter eggs to tons of characters in this film, but there's a lot of obviously a bit more Easter egg focus on Shazam and on Superman. They're supposed to be kind of like, um, they're sort of supposed to fight each other, aren't they? Black Adam, Shazam and Superman, they're sort of a part of a thing. And like when I went and watched Shazam, which is one of my favorite DCEU films, probably in my top five somewhere, I can't remember where I've put it. Mm-hmm. That was clearly set out to be a very fun, the tone was clear. They tried to play Black Adam off as like, okay, he's a villain and he's an anti-hero, then he's supposed to be fun, but he's got this thing to him as well. You know with Drax, how he sort of isn't always socially aware and doesn't quite understand things clearly and that type yeah. of... Black Adam is a bit like that, where like one example is he goes to this person's house and instead of walking through a door, he'll walk through a wall and somebody says to him, okay, is there not any like doors where you come from? And he sort of like is confused by that, you know, that, that type yeah. of thing. That element in and of itself is fine but it was never quite clear throughout the film sort of I don't know he's an anti-hero then he's a hero then he's sort of like because the JSA is in this film as well you've got Piers Brosnan who's yeah. brilliant as Dr. Fate you've got Hawkman and you've got um, I think she's called Cyclone and then Atom Smasher mm-hmm. and even throughout the film they're sort of like should we be fighting him should we be helping him what should we be doing it's a bit like the way that Venom played out of like okay this guy is killing people but then when when Arnish comes around in the sequel he's trying to fight him but he's not really much better than like it's it's a bit all yeah. over the place totally and I was never quite sure like am I supposed to look at him as a friend or is he going to kill me or it's a bit all over the place with that the writing I think is particularly bad there's some very poorly written sort of choices that these characters make and there's one particular thing right near the end of the film that I dug into in the spoiler section that kind of broke okay if you knew about that why didn't you do that instead and it was right. um, where I would put it in terms of DC rankings because the bottom two for DCU films I'd put 
put Joss's Justice League right at the bottom, then Wonder Woman 84, and then I would put Black Adam just above those. Right. The only thing I do prefer about Wonder Woman 84 is that that film's got Wonder Woman in it, and I like Wonder Woman more than Black Adam. <laughs> but I think the film of what, you know, like with the stupid wish thing and all that sort of plot, yeah. that's worse than what they're doing here. I mean, on a different day, I could tell you that Wonder Woman 84 is better than Black Adam. So it, it's very, very close, but... yeah. That's how I put it at the moment. Right. The reception of this film has been interesting because some people have said like, oh, this is really, really fun, 10 out of 10. Some people have said, oh, this is like garbage and all this type of stuff. So it's dividing opinion at the moment. What do you think of what you've heard of Black Adam so um, far? It's an interesting one because The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, has been attached to this character for such a long time. You would have hoped that they'd managed to nail down a solid director and the tone of it. And it's always a little difficult when you're dealing with anti-heroes. And the thing is, in the comic books, Black Adam, he is more of a villain. And I know they're trying to sort of turn him into more of an anti-hero. It's like you say, what's kind of what they did with Venom. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've not seen the movie yet, so I can't judge the film directly. I probably won't go to the cinema to see it. I will wait for it to come out on home release. But like you, I've seen the reviews for it and they do seem a bit all over the place as well. I am interested in seeing it. It's just sounds like they've not quite managed to get the overall tone mm -hmm. of it correct. Yeah. The thing is with it, they sort of shouldn't be doing this film right now. Not because of like they shouldn't be doing the character, but they haven't set this character or the JSA up at all. Because like throughout the DCEU's timeline and, and all that, there's no mention of these characters. The other problem you've got is... So your title character is the one who's kind of a good, kind of a bad guy, but we're not really sure. And the people he's kind of sort of fighting at certain points, the JSA, come across more as the good guys. Which they are, but yes. You, which they are, but you can't really sort of fully do that because the film's called Black Adam. Yeah. And you're going there to kind of root for him. It's a bit strange. It also didn't help that Dwayne Johnson spoiled his own film. <laughs> uh, he, he also spoiled Super Pets as well, which he does the voice of. He, he posted an image of the post credit scene of, of Super Pets and oh, then really? multiple times said like, hey, look out for the post credit thing. And it, it was almost as if he was promoting the post credit scene of the film more than the film itself, which he is the main star of. Right. Um, the, the, the press for this film has been very strange. Like I, I don't expect to be spoiled on red carpet interviews. <laughs> That's what he's supposed to say. Like, hey, we're really excited to do this journey with this character you know big up the film yeah because he very heavily hinted at what is in the post credit scenes but more than heavily hinted at it to the point where it became okay it's obvious as to what this is he went a step further with super pets where he bigged up sort of the post credit scene in the film but then posted a picture of it and loads of people follow him on social media so it's like i don't really understand his tactics with yes with that i've not known him to do that with like fast and furious or skyscraper or anything like that but with dc he seems to be doing that so Anyway, um, that's that's my uh, initial thoughts of uh, Black Adam. Obviously, I did uh, like a full review thing yesterday. So there's that. Uh, one DC thing I have been really enjoying, actually, I've been really enjoying this, I think it's the third season so far, is the Harley Quinn yeah. um, show, which is going out in E4. I think they're doing a really, really good job with this. I, I put on Facebook the other day, like, I think this is the best thing DC's released so far this year. I mean, what, what have we had this year? We've had Peacemaker was this year, wasn't it? Yes, um, I think so. The, the Batman, which I, I liked. I didn't sort of love it, but I, I liked the Batman. Black Adam, which clearly I, I, I sort of didn't. Other than that, it's been a bit quiet on DC's front, apart from, like, Superman and Flash and things like that and Stargirl which has only just come out so I haven't seen that yet but not really like it I think they're doing some really really great character development following on from the end of season 2 where um, Harley and Ivy actually get together because you know Joker's a bad guy Yeah, they're doing a very good job of developing that relationship I think and mm -hmm. also showing they are madly in love and they do really like each other obviously but at points 
Ivy wants to do one thing, Harley wants to do another, and Harley's still got that kind of frustrating side towards her, but Ivy kind of works her way around it, and they, yeah. they put that into a few episodes. I would say in terms of um, representation as well, because they've not, and they don't have to, but they've not made it clear as like, hey, so does this make Harley Quinn bisexual? Does it make her a lesbian character or just queer or, you know, however you want to sort of go with that? And they don't have to fully lay that on the, no. out, out on the table. This, But uh, in, in terms of LGBTQ representation and writing a good story for that and writing well-written characters... Because there's one thing to put those types of characters in your stories. There's another thing to actually write them well and develop them well. So instead of just saying, hey, we've got representation. We've just shoved a bunch of those characters into our story, but we're not going to do anything with them. bit different here because Harley Quinn and Ivy are kind of the main two characters. But in terms of all that, they, they've written that representation really, really well. I think they've done a really good job with that. Lots and lots of like cameos and other appearances from other characters. And it doesn't sort of feel like there's too many characters on screen or too many characters. And they've even delved a bit more this season into showing more Bat Family characters. Like you've had Batgirl show up, you've had you know Nightwing and Robin and yeah. Batman's been there. They've done a good job with that. They'll have like certain scenes in the Batcave. So got me a bit more of like a Batman element to it, which I think has been really good. Joker's still in the show, Clayface is still in there, you know, all, the, all those sorts of characters. One of my favorite characters from the show, actually, and this isn't traditionally how Bane is presented. No. I really, really like this version of Bane. <laughs> it's very funny. I really yeah. like this version of Bane. He might be, I mean, it's difficult to compare like, um, what's his name, Tom Hardy? Yeah, no, Tom I mean, Hardy. It's, it, it's difficult to yeah. compare like that to this version of Bane. But when you take a brave step like that and you make him a bit more comedic, but get it right somehow, I don't even know how they've got yeah. it right, but they, they've done a really good job I, I just love when he pops up on screen yeah and he's sort Very of like funny. um the way he talks about revenge and stuff it's it's really good so uh good stuff from from over there have you been watching this season yes of, uh, yeah I'm, I'm up to date on that and i do really love that whole setup i think they've done a really wonderful job there's a sort of continuing story because it's there have always been arcs throughout each season has had a sort of arc of like you know the first one was you know harley getting away from joker and then the second one with with her sort of trying to establish herself on her own and then this one is much more about harley and poison ivy and the main story is ivy sort of trying to develop this serum to reclaim gotham for the sort of wildlife is the sort of mm -hmm. backbone of the story but there's lots of other little bits and pieces that go on in it just the depictions of bane and you've got joker in there and riddler who's dating clock king and, and there's just all sorts of wonderfully <laughs> wonderfully weird and it's a really out their sort of show and they've done such a great job with it i i really really like that series i think they're, mm -hmm. they're doing great definitely yeah like totally they've they've got it really well done anyway what have uh, you been on there's been a few big launches this week handmaid's tale came back for its fifth season and what's the opening episode of that that pretty much picks up exactly where you left off at the end of last season and continues to be a really solid show that i actually watched on uh, prime video because i can watch it without breaks on there but, i mean That's not nice. uh, we're gonna record it anyway on channel so i can skip through the breaks but now I don't even have to do that because it's been simultaneously released on Channel 4 and on Prime Video because it's an MGM produced show and Amazon now own MGM. So they came to a deal with Channel 4 that they would symbol premiere it in the UK. The other episodes are listed on Prime Video, but you can't actually watch them until they're released on Channel 4, which seems fair enough. But it is on there if you want to go and watch it without having to skip through the breaks. You can get it on Prime Video as well. The Vow Return for the second season, which was really interesting. This is the show that was about Nexium, that cult that uh, 
the girl from Smallville got involved with. And first season was brilliant as you sort of saw these ex-cult members slowly sort of start to come out and realise what it was they were involved with. And the whole thing sort of starts to collapse. And this is very much about the sort of aftermath of that and the trials. And they're getting to talk to different people as well as sort of following people that we saw in the first season as well. It's a fascinating, fascinating story. And uh, if you've not seen The Vow, go and look it up. It's on Sky Documentaries. You can go and binge through the entire first season. It's a fascinating and somewhat horrific story of this genuine cult that was in America that was sort of masquerading as the self-help group. But yes, that's on Sky Documentaries. It's well worth watching. The big shows this week, of course, there's a couple of launches and one finale, which we'll get to as well. Big thing yesterday, Doctor Who came back for Jodie Whittaker's final outing. Have you watched this or not? Are you still behind? I didn't know it was out until people started tweeting that the episode has come out. So no, I, I didn't see it yesterday. Right. Um, I know what happened though. Okay, so we are going to get a bit spoilery about this. So uh, stop if you haven't watched the episode yet, because we are going to talk about it and talk about the regeneration. The episode itself overall is a bit all over the place. There was a great comment I saw on a Reddit thread and somebody said, it's a bit like being waterboarded by the Doctor Who Wikipedia, which I think is a, is a perfect way to to describe it because there is so much stuff thrown into it from little references from stuff that Chris Chibnall previously did from the whole Timeless Child thing but there's also got old companions coming back they've got other little bits of references here and there throughout the show so there's a lot of sort of fan service stuff in there the overall plot is all over the place which it tends to be with Chris Chibnall's writing but it was quite fun and there were moments in there where they did a really nice job of the sort of fan service stuff. So there are cameos from Sylvester McCoy, Colin Baker, Paul McGann, and Peter Davison as the previous incarnations of the Doctor. They are in there as part of the story. We've got Tegan and Ace back, who are two of the previous companions, and they get to have a sort of final goodbye with their Doctor, I guess. You've got those really nice scenes, so there is some sort of fan service stuff going on in there you've got the master back and the master is the sort of main villain of this story and some of the previous companions of jody whittaker come back so uh, bradley walsh's graham is back i feel a bit sorry for john bishop i mean john bishop kind of is they do the opening credit thing which is this heist on a space train essentially and john bishop's character pretty much sort of does that mission and then goes uh right uh that was a bit too much for me i'm leaving and then you sort of don't really see him for the rest of the episode until the very end so that was a little weird how sort of quick they got rid of him so it ends up being sort of mainly the doctor and yaz for most of the episode I think the biggest shock comes from the regeneration. I'd, I had hinted at this a few weeks ago that the regeneration might not be quite what we thought it was. And the regeneration from Jodie Whittaker into the 14th Doctor, and he is being listed as the 14th Doctor, is David Tennant. So David Tennant becomes the first person to be two Doctors. So he's the 10th Doctor mm. and he's the 14th Doctor. And they are officially referring to him that. And uh, Shuti Gatwa has been referred to as the 15th Doctor. 
so yeah, they actually did it. They actually regenerated into a previous version. And that was brilliant because right. he, he opens it in the same way that he opened it when he first regenerated, where he's like pushes his tongue over his teeth. And when it happened the first time, he's like, Ooh, new teeth, that's weird. And this time it's like he does it and then goes, Hang on, I recognize his teeth. What? What's going on? So there's that. And he obviously doesn't understand how he's regenerated into an old version of himself. That I'm really excited for. It looks like it's going to be November next year before we get to see these episodes, which is really slightly frustrating. It looks like there's going to be a really big gap because they're talking about three specials going out in November. Those specials will have Shooty Gatwa in them as well because they did put a little trail out. It was probably even not even 30 seconds, but there was a little trail that went out at the end of this episode, which gave you the first little glimpse of Shooty Gatwa in there and David Tennant obviously as well. So I'm really excited to see what they do it's an interesting way of of launching russell t davis's return to it as i say overall the final episode for jodie whittaker was a mess it was a fun mess but it was all over the place you know so i mean worth Mm. watching i guess but if you're a fan of doctor who and have been over the years i think it is probably something that is worth taking a look at because there are some really nice things and some good callbacks and some interesting little bits and pieces but Mm -hmm. plotting wise it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense so yeah i missed the six episodes or whatever they did before uh, they had a particular name to them i forgot what that was but flux yeah flux episodes yeah but this sounds like a, maybe i can jump onto this episode and kind of just go forward from there is there much that happened in those episodes that i'd need to know for this one or can i kind of jump into this episode well i mean there are a few bits that probably wouldn't make sense in this episode but given that quite a lot of the plot doesn't necessarily make sense i wouldn't worry too much about it okay. and just sort of roll with it so you know so you might miss a few bits and pieces but like um there's a thing with regenerating cybermen which is something that came from like an earlier episode but you just sort of go with the fact that cybermen can regenerate and there is another version of the doctor that shows up which wouldn't make any sense necessarily but it's fine you can go and look it up online to get what the context of that is and and then just Mm -hmm. kind of roll with the rest of it i think because i did even though the episodes at points were not quite so great i did really enjoy jody's doctor so i do want to like show respect to her and at least see her out of that role rather than just jumping to the the next David Tennant yeah. episodes yeah uh, to kind of like see her off one last time kind of thing so. yeah absolutely i mean it's 90 minutes it's worth taking a look at and it's a nice way to sort of see her off even if it was a chaotic mess you know and i hope that she continues to do more doctor stuff i'm sure there'll be big finish audio adventures and hopefully she'll get to come back on screen at some point as well but it's certainly not the worst thing chris chibnall's done it's not the best thing either but you know it was a fun ride so yeah Mm -hmm. worth a look the other show that launched this week is the peripheral which is a huge new sci-fi series it's on prime video It's from Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, and you can very much tell it's from the creators of Westworld because there are a lot of similarities in just the tonally, the style of it. I can see a lot of similarities with that. In fact, the story has some similarities to it as well because it follows a brother and sister called Flynn Fisher and Burton Fisher. Flynn is played by Chloe Grace Moretz. Burton is played by Jack Rayner. And they are living, I think it's Texas. It's sort of set slightly in the future. It's meant to be 2035 or something. 
they're in this sort of small, I think it's Texas town. It's certainly somewhere southern United States anyway. It's, it's that sort of area. It's very much a sort of backwater town. Flynn is looking after her mother who is sick and needs medication. The way that they're getting that medication and paying for it is Burton, the older brother, is playing video games, helping rich people get past levels that they can't get past. And the video game technology is sort of a VR headset, but it's very much photorealistic. They show sort of bits inside the game as well. It seems that Flynn is actually the better player out of the two, but has stopped playing for some reason. But what they do is they play these video games for rich people that can't get past these certain levels and they get paid for it. And, and that's how they're making some money or that's how Burton's sort of making the money to be able to pay for this medication that their mother needs. It turns out that because of the fact that Burton is quite a good player and Flynn is an incredibly good player, they've got noticed as being like one of the top players, uh, mainly because of Flynn sort of stepping into the game using Burton's avatar so people don't know it's her. And her ranking has been noticed and they've been asked to playtest this new piece of tech, which rather than being a VR goggle set, is a thing that has electrodes that kind of go straight into your mind and really completely immerses you in the game so it feels like you're actually there. It's supposed to be for Burton because they think he's the person that's got all these high levels but obviously it's not it's Flynn so she ends up going into the game using his avatar and it turns out to be a sort of kidnapping plot game or at least that's what she thinks but as she gets further into it it's clear that it's becoming something much darker much more sinister and there's something else that's probably going on it's a really sort of interesting setup. It's very much got that sort of alt-world thing going on that you had with Westworld. Tonally, it feels very similar to Westworld as well. It's very high quality. It's really nicely shot. The acting's been really good. It's got two episodes out on Prime Video right now. It's called The Peripheral. It's based on a William Gibson novel. Definitely worth going to check out. If you liked Westworld, this is certainly in that area and very much that sort of sci-fi show that I think would be worth going to look at and I think will be up your street. I'm assuming you've not got to this yet. Not quite, no. I think I'd read the release date and then I'd forgotten it, but then I checked Amazon yesterday and it was it was on there. So it's one for me to check out, definitely. Yes. It looks high budget, Westworld-ish. It's got a, kind of a big star in it, but not many people seem to have been talking about it, which is a bit of a, a bit of a shame. Yeah, they don't seem to have promoted it as much as I thought no. they might. Certainly nowhere near as much as Rings of Power. Maybe they were trying to and it just got lost in there, but mm. I hope that doesn't damage it in terms of the viewing figures, because right. I really, really liked it. I thought that they did a really nice job with it. Um, I'm not sure whether it's one of those that... Yes, they've, they've got a second season in active development as well, so... Mm -hmm. I think it is moving forward, but I've only watched the first episode so far. There are two episodes up, but I really enjoyed that first episode. Uh, just to say, it's very much in that sort of Westworld kind of vein. Um, yeah. Really, really worth watching. I was watching whatever I was watching on YouTube and the ads for it came up. I thought, oh, this looks kind of interesting. And then it said from the Westworld people, I was like, oh, we've probably mentioned this before like on, on the Westworld podcast. And then I just kept watching the trailer. I was like, oh, this is really Westworld-like. And that, that sort of what was yeah. kind of got my interest. But that was through a YouTube ad. 
ad that wasn't directly from Amazon. <laughs> so yeah, I, I did notice when I've been at work at the school recently because they get like obviously Amazon packages delivered, various school stuff. On one of the packages I saw the other day, you know how they've got like the black tape thing to, through the middle. They had like names of their shows written on it. So it had like Rings of Power written on it and things like that, which is <laughs> which is kind of smart because if you're buying stuff from Amazon and it says like Rings of Power and you recognize that as Lord of the Rings and then you see it's got Prime Video written, yeah. you might put two and two together there. So uh, I thought that was kind of smart. Yeah. I mean, Rings of Power was one of the two big finales over the last couple of weeks because I mean, Ring, Rings of Power came mm-hmm. to an end. And I really enjoyed that series. I mean, I know if you're talking purist, you're probably going to be really upset with it because I'm sure it messes around with various things. But I'm okay with that. I thought they made a solid TV show that they teased some interesting little bits and pieces. That was a really nicely put together version of early Middle Earth history. And I know it messes with things. And I know there are people that are going to be upset by that. But I was okay with that. I thought it, it, they did a really nice job. It's a solid series. I still don't quite understand why they've moved from New Zealand to shooting in the UK. But fine. <laughs> That's what they're going to do for the second season. Hmm. But it looks great. I mean, it's beautiful looking. I dread to think how much they actually spent per episode on that thing. But oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really feels like it is part of, you know, the whole Middle Earth thing on screen and um, it isn't directly connected to the Peter Jackson stuff, but it feels like it sort of is. And given that that's where a lot of people know the Lord of the Rings things from, the fact that it feels like part of that universe, I think, is um, quite nice. The other finale last week was, of course, She-Hulk, which has got to be the most mental finale I've ever seen of any two. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> nuts. She-Hulk's been an interesting one because... It is really split opinion. Some people are like, this is one of the best things that they've made. Other people are like, this is awful. I hate it. I know Robert's not a fan of it. I really enjoyed that series. He's sort of taking it for what it is, which is a half hour comedy. But the finale was bonkers. Fourth wall breaking to a maximum extent, which is something that comes from the comic books because she does exactly this in the comic books. She actually rips through the panels and goes and shouts at the writers. So it's something that is very much in canon with the comic book. But of course, with this, she actually sort of breaks the Disney Plus interface and like jumps from one thing to another and and then goes to, to, to do a Marvel Studios assembled episode and go and confronts Kevin or K-E-V-I-N which is the artificial intelligence that runs the MCU and complains about the storylines and just the jokes of sort of the winking to camera and when are we getting the X-Men and all that sort of just hilariously funny and then just randomly introduces Hulk's son in there as well which is a really odd place to introduce like a new character right at the very end at a family party it's just just bonkers that whole finale but i really enjoyed that it was a wonderful fun very silly series throughout and that ending just was perfect for it i think we don't know whether we get any more of it i think there is some talk about it but we'll have to see where it goes i really really enjoyed it i gave it one of my uh, must-see ratings thing which isn't the highest i can give there's like a strong must-see rating i've got as well basically there was a couple of little things that just didn't quite land but it didn't really ruin my experience but i kind of got what they were going for pretty much from the start i don't want to say from like the first minute but pretty much from the start and what this says about things like telling stories with women and, and things like that there's a lot of commentary about that which i thought that they nailed on the head it's also quite funny that you 
you know some of the scenes that they showed, like the angry tweets about the show. Yeah. Like some some of those are apparently sort of real. Or <laughs> yeah. it, even if they're not real, they're extremely accurate. Yes. Um. So whether they are or not, it and it's like the people that are moaning about this. I mean, if you didn't like G Hulk as a show, you don't think it's good. That's a different element. But this is like a different commentary side of like, oh, women are taking over the MCU and all, all this kind of stuff. But what those people didn't kind of realize is the show's taking the Mickey out of you and you are falling for it. Yes. Which is even funnier because literally week to week people are tweeting like that that same sexist type of comments I thought that was uh, kind of fun and kind of interesting and you get commentary herself from from Jennifer of like hey remember whose show this is and like hey cameos but this is still my show um yeah. I, I really like the four full break and I thought that was great I thought Tatiana yet again a phenomenal, phenomenal performance from her yes. which was to be expected which was great that menu jumping thing that was just <laughs> I mean, I'd said on the podcast in kind of the spoiler section, like if anybody can name me a show or a film that's done that before, I can't think of one myself. Some people are kind of saying about, you know, obviously we've got Deadpool coming back as well. Like imagine if they're on screen together or what they can do there. That's the really cool thing about the MCU is the things you've already been able to do and the things that are coming up that you've not even got the full potential of yet. Because things like, you know, Deadpool's not even here yet. So we've still got all sort of stories you can tell with him. The X-Men, as she mentioned, (laughs) are not even here yet. The general commentary about like oh phase four has been a failure and all this kind of stuff i mean if you think that's totally fine i completely disagree i think some of those people aren't noticing what the mcu is trying to do let's say post end game sort of phase four which is introduce a whole bunch of characters and yeah. you know set, set up what they're doing for the future yeah and the, the fun part about that as much as like you know she-Hulk was great, Miss Marvel was great, and Moon Knight was great. All, all these new characters we've had that have been introduced, and we've had like the return of Mighty Thor, and we've not even started on X-Men yet. We've not started on Fantastic Four. We've got two other Avengers films coming out. We've got Deadpool, which is doing its own special thing over there. So there's still so much great stuff we can get to. What I like kind of about that in this She-Hulk finale is not only did she kind of wink and nod to like, hey, X-Men, when's that coming and all this sort of stuff. But that particular scene itself, if you combine the menu thing with the whole Kevin thing and all that, the history you can reference and talk about with the MCU. And like there's there's a whole video thing in the background that's like showing highlights of the MCU's past and things. And you've got the comic books that they're on the shelves and stuff. Mm-hmm. The MCU is kind of in a position where it can sort of do whatever it wants to a point where you can release something called Werewolf by Night which is MCU adjacent, yeah. but can experiment with that. And I'm really, really enjoying this, but I thought She-Hulk was, uh, was very, very good. Um, I mean, it could have been better. It also could have been worse. I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, there are things that I would like to see, like a bit more of the lawyering. I would like to see that rather than being sort of 30-minute episodes, them being 45-minute episodes and them having a bit more of her lawyering in it, rather than purely the life and She-Hulk stuff. It is called She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and there was not all that much attorneying going on and I think it would be nice if you could at least put the sort of one attorney thing in each week would be quite a nice way of sort of anchoring it in that around everything else so have a sort of case a week thing I I think that would be an interesting fun way of of moving forward with it but overall Tatiana brilliantly cast I thought she was great it's so great to see Tim Roth back as Emil Blonsky at the Abomination and I think he's wonderful in this Wong was great just some wonderful characters in there and as you say people have been complaining about this phase but it is a rebuilding phase they need to go back and start to introduce new characters which is what they've been doing and I think it's fine doing that you know they, mm-hmm. they were, it was always going to be a bit like this after they got to the end of Endgame they've got some great stuff coming up and I've been really enjoying things so far you know it's just just let it wash over you for now <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's been good 
That's all the stuff we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. Let's move on to some TV and film news. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So on the TV and film news, we have some renewals, cancellations, and pickups. There's only one cancellation I can see in the last couple of weeks, and that's a show called As We See It, which was on Amazon, and that has been cancelled after one season. I didn't watch any of that, so... Uh, Do you know yes. what that is? Because I've, I've never heard of that. It was a comedy drama created by Jason Katmins, the TV creator of things like Rise and About a Boy and the Parenthood series. I mean, he also did Friday Night Lights as well and roswell so it's got a reasonable sort of set behind him but it was not one that i i watched and sort of disappeared without a trace so Mm -hmm. um yes unfortunately that is not coming back there have been some renewals groomsburg which is an animated series it's about a sort of mythanthropic detective starring john ham or voiced by john ham season one hasn't even aired in the u.s yet and fox have renewed it for a second season so <laughs> no air date over here for that either but uh, yeah like i say it's not even gone out in the u.s yet but that that's one of their animated things and they're, they're bringing that back heartbreak high has been renewed for a second season on netflix so that will be returning and p valley which is on stars in the US and Lionsgate Plus over here as the stars system got renamed to as stars play got renamed to so uh, P Valley has been renewed for season three as well some pickups and other bits and pieces the horn section TV show which is a new comedy series written by and starring Alex Horn the creator of Taskmaster it's a sort of comedy chat show a bit like the Kumars was it's a chat show but it's got a sitcom-y kind of environment if mm-hmm. that makes sense and it stars Alex Horn and the rest of the Horn section they are the main people that are in it but there are guests as well it's coming on the 3rd of November they've said some of the guests that they've got on I think Greg Davis is one of them which you kind of expect because that's the person that he works with most John Oliver apparently is going to be a regular guest on there as well which is sort of interesting I don't know why John Oliver's doing that maybe it's in a break from last week tonight show I don't know uh, Desiree Birch is also on there who plays apparently the producer the very frustrated producer Georgina Tennant is on there who plays a TV exec for Channel 4 Camilla Ukan is on there plays a researcher and they've got guest appearances from people like Martin Kemp Big Zoo Imogen Heap Annika Rice Dr Rice Singh those are some of the people they've announced so far but it sounds like it's going to be kind of fun that it's going to be launching on the 3rd of November it's going out on all for but that's when it's launching on the third but it will have some tv broadcast stuff as well but they're they're pushing it as an all four show at the moment that's third of november for that what we do in the shadows has finally got a uk air date for the fourth season that's second of november it's going to be on disney plus because the fx deal with the bbc has finished going to be launching season four and season three together that's on second of november and that's on disney plus 
Also on Disney Plus on the 2nd of November, they've got a show called Reboot coming, which sounds like it's going to be quite fun. It's based around the idea of an early 2000s family sitcom, which is being rebooted. And it's sort of bringing the dysfunctional cast back together is the idea of it. And it's got Keenan Michael Key in there. It's got Paul Reiser. It's got Johnny Knoxville, Rachel Bloom. So it's got quite a good cast. It sounds like it's quite a fun show. Show that it looks like it's going to be quite funny but that's called reboots and that's coming on the 2nd of november warrior nun finally returns to netflix after about two year break that's back for its second season that's coming on the 10th of november that's a thursday randomly but uh, yeah mm. 10th of november that's landing so i really enjoyed the first season of that that's from simon barry the guy that used to do continuum and a number of other shows mm-hmm. but first season was really good it is technically a comic book adaptation but it's one of those comic book adaptations that I don't think bears that much resemblance to the comic book. But right. uh, made a good TV show for the first season. Do you watch any of that? Yeah, I called it a bit later than some of the rest of you, but I saw it a while ago still. Like you said, it's been a, been a while, but no, it was, a, it was a good time, that first season. It sort of disappeared from my mind a little bit just because there's about a billion other Netflix shows. <laughs> but yes. uh, try to keep an eye out when this comes out because I'm uh, I'm intrigued by season two. Um, it was good fun. It was. It was a good, interesting, fun. Had that sort of Canadian sci-fi Mm-hmm. feel to it. it's Canadian sci-fi fantasy thing which sort of makes right. sense I mean that's the stuff that Cyber Barry kind of does definitely in that sort of mold but I thought that was really really fun Sky's picked up a show called Reginald the Vampire that hasn't gone on air date yet, but it will be coming. It's actually a sci-fi show in the US, but it will be coming to Sky over here, presumably on Sky Sci-Fi. They haven't specifically confirmed that. It's based on Johnny B. Truant's fat vampire novels, and it stars Jacob Batlin, who plays the best friend sidekick in the Spider-Man films. He's the lead in it. It says, imagine a world populated by beautiful, fit and vain vampires, Reginald tumbles headlong into it as an unlikely hero who will have to navigate every kind of obstacle the girl he loves but can't be with the bully manager at work and the vampire chieftain who wants him dead fortunately reginald discovers he has a few unrecognized powers of his own a new show with a lot of heart and just enough blood reginald the vampire proves the undead life is just as complicated as life itself that's the setup for it i like jacob Batland quite a lot i think he's great as the sidekick in spider-man i think he's called ned isn't he yeah i think so yes ned yeah don't know exactly when that's landing but they have apparently picked it up we'll have to wait and see when that turns up it's from harley payton who's the person that created the chucky series and project blue book so Mm. that's the person behind it that sounds like it's going to be quite fun i think Speaking of comedies, Mythic Quest returns for its third season. That's on the 11th of November, and that's on Apple TV. The first two seasons of this have just been absolutely outstanding. So I'm looking forward to that. It's interesting because we got to the end of the previous uh, season two, and it was like, okay, how would you continue this? they go into the third season and they kind of undo the ending of last season i won't really mind because it will be kind of it could work in that way i don't know if that's what they are going to do but there's ways that you could work around it and bring the characters back together a little bit more but no the quality of writing and just comedy and everything else on that show is brilliant because i'd gotten to apple tv plus a bit later than other people because initially i didn't really care about it i was like oh, apple's doing a streaming service why do i care about that but uh, no it's one of their uh, other really great shows so i'm looking forward to that that's pretty soon as well 11th of november. november yeah 
coming up fairly soon from the team behind it's always sunny if you're a fan of it's always sunny this is and certainly if you're a fan of video games it's because it's the whole idea is it, it's the team that created the biggest multiplayer video game basically world of warcraft but it's called mythic quest in this created mm-hmm. the this huge video game there was this thing that happened at the end of season two and not to spoil it for people but it does rather split the team up certainly going into the third season that is still the status quo they the team is still split at that point but whether they end up pulling them all back together at the end of the season i don't know but certainly Mm -hmm. at the start of the season yeah it got renewed for a fourth as well didn't it yes it did yeah that will be back for a full season as well after this third one it's rob mckelney and charlie day one of the owners of wrexham Yes, I'm one of the owners of Wrexham. That also finished this week as well, I think, the Welcome to Wrexham series, which has been brilliant. It's one of those things that just watching particularly Ryan Reynolds get so heavily invested in football mm-hmm. where he had no real interest in it beforehand. Rob was the one that was sort of pushing it and Ryan was sort of, okay, this could be a fun project sort of thing. Yeah. And they're both just so heavily invested in it and just the ups and downs of it and the fact that it's this underdog team. It's it's just really, really good and special as a football show. Welcome to Wrexham. It's just wonderful. They've done a really good show about that. So uh, that's also well, well worth watching but that's all up on Disney Plus as well now. And there was one other thing as well, which is Boiling Point, which the BBC has ordered a series. I think it's five episodes. They've ordered five or six episodes, but uh, it's based on Boiling Point, which was the multi-award winning film, which was from Stephen Graham and starring Stephen Graham. It's from his production company. The BBC have actually picked that up as a series as well now, which was one of those things that was sort of set in a kitchen restaurant. And it's based around that. Stephen Graham's great in everything. So, you know, I'm sure that will make a really good series I believe the film was one of these things that was done in one take I heard in an interview somewhere I haven't seen the film so or certainly made to look like it was done in one take whether it actually was or not I don't know (laughs) other new shows coming up there's one called Mary and George which is starring Julianne Moore it's a co-production between Sky and AMC created by DC Moore it's an eight-part limited series based on the extraordinary story of Mary Vilners who is played by Julianne Moore who moulded her beautiful son George to seduce King James I and become his all-powerful lover. Through outrageous scheming, the pair rose from humble beginnings to become the richest, most titled and influential mother and son England had ever seen. Series due to begin filming in early next year and debut late next year. So I was very unaware of this entire story, but uh, it seems like an interesting part of history to take a look at. That is coming to uh, it's be Sky in the UK and AMC in the US. It's called Mary and George and it's going to be a sort of eight-part historical drama. Could be quite good. There was some Outlander news that came out recently as well. They've announced a ridiculous amount of people for the seventh season, including a lot of returning old faces, some of which aren't, I think, alive still in the show. So I'm assuming it's been done in flashback rather than... I'm not sure exactly how this is working, but I'm assuming it's flashback. But Graham McTavish is coming back. He's playing Dougal McKenzie, who is Jamie's uncle, who was killed just before the Battle of Culloden. So yeah, I'm assuming there's a flashback sequence that they're using these characters for. Nell Hudson as uh, Longhair Fraser, Jamie's ex wife and Masali's mother Stephen Cree 
is back as old Ian Murray, younger Ian's father and Jamie's brother-in-law. Andrew Whip is back as Brian Fraser, Jamie's father. Layla Burns as Joan McKenzie, Masali's sister and Jamie's stepdaughter. Lottie Verbeek is back as Galalis Duncan, Claire's former friend turned enemy and fellow time traveller from the 1960s. So those are all the faces which have previously been on that returning. They've also got a bunch of new people coming in. Gloria Abudeo, who is playing Mercy Woodcock, a free black woman navigating the hardship of life in colonial America. Rod Hallett as Benedict Arnold, who, which may be a name that some of you recognise, he was the revolutionary soldier who turned into a traitor. Chris Fulton from Bridgerton is playing Rob Cameron, a new acquaintance of Roger and Brianna. Dermot Murtagh from Vikings is playing Buck McKenzie, the illegitimate son of Dougal and Glenys Duncan, and Roger's ancestor, a role previously played on screen by Graham McTavish, is a sort of wearing a different wig in uh, season five. Kirsten Athorn from Shakespeare and Hathaway as Jenny Murray, Jamie's sister and young Ian's mother, the role originated by Laura Donnerty in seasons one through three. So she will be uh, replacing her. If that wasn't enough, there is also some new faces which they are previously announced. Charles Vandervaart, who is playing Rinian Ranson, who is the grown-up secret son of Jamie, with Izzy Melkin-Small playing Rachel Hunter and Joey Phillips as Denzel Hunter, the Quaker brother and sister whose quiet country life is changed when young Ian arrives at their farm with the sick and injured William Ransom. And, of course, they've got the current cast all coming back as well. So I'm not sure how many names I went through there, but there was a ridiculous amount people they're gonna need more chairs on the set i think for that season mm-hmm. is just just their budget's gone up yeah yes their chair budget must have definitely <laughs> gone up this season because there is a ridiculous amount of faces and there was a bit more mcu news as well there are actually a couple of not casting announcements but rumored casting announcements one of them was sasha baron cohen who is rumored to be playing mephisto for those of you who don't know that character he's a sort of extra dimensional demon whose origins are apparently unknown he rules a fiery pocket dimension that he calls hell or Hades, although it isn't actually the hell of Christian religion nor the Hades ruled by Pluto, the Olympian god of the dead. He basically uses it to exploit Earth's human beings' belief in there being sort of absolute evil. So he's kind of pretending to be the devil, but he isn't really. He's more of a sort of trickster kind of thing, and he is actually some sort of extra-dimensional demon. So he's not really the biblical Satan he just looks a bit like it which I rather like Sasha Baron Cohen for this role I think this would work really well there was a lot of talk when One Division came out about whether Mephisto would pop up in oh, that. I remember those weeks yeah yes and as with all the MCU stuff it looks like if he does get signed up he would be across multiple series including most likely the One Division spin-off Agatha Covenant Chaos and then would show up in other things as well. So yeah, I rather like Sasha Baron Cohen for this. I think if you want somebody to play a sort of trickstery devil kind of character, that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen seems perfectly cast for that role. Yeah, I mean, the idea of him sounds great. It also gives him the potential to kind of show up almost anywhere. I'm not saying he's going to jump across like 10 different films or whatever, 
obviously the the Coven of Chaos Agatha series makes the most sense. There's also some rumors that Wanda herself is going to be in that, which makes sense yeah. if if you're kind of revisiting that area of the MCU, that kind of witchcraft demon ish sort of that type of thing. It would make sense for him to pop up there. But I mean, we're in the multiverse saga now, so who knows what he can do? And if he's really powerful, like he's supposed to be, so that's quite exciting. So again, another MCU thing coming up that has more than just potential for just one thing. And Agatha, I think, is developed as a great character. Wanda's had a ton of great development as a character. You also have got like kind of vision sort of floating around in different places. So you could, I mean, he's a robot, so mm-hmm. you could kind of use vision again in different places. So there's a lot of potential as to what you could do with that. In terms of the actual actor himself, Sasha, if you were to kind of look at Borat and think, oh, well, how is this guy going to play Mephisto? Obviously, actors can kind of change their roles and stuff. That's the whole yeah. point of being an actor is to be able to change what you do. I can sort of see him maybe fitting the mold of that. And again, I don't know ex- the exact personality of Mephisto. I just know sort of the general idea. So Sasha Baron Cohen has done serious roles as well as, right. as just those things. You know, I mean, he's done character acting things so I think he's perfectly capable of doing that, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a good fit for that. The other bit of MCU news was they apparently are talking to Adam Driver for a Fantastic Four role, which some people mm. have gone, oh, he can play Mr. Fantastic. I don't see him as Mr. Fantastic at all. What he would make is a spectacular Doom, which oh, yeah. I rather Look suspect they're probably looking at him for a, for a Doctor Doom role rather than Mr. Fantastic. I don't think he's quite the right fit for that necessarily. I mean, maybe, but... I've, mm. He could do that, but not as well as maybe other people. Doctor Doom feels a bit more Kylo Ren-ish. Yeah, maybe, potentially. Maybe, maybe that sort of villainous-esque sort of thing. Yeah. Because everybody was like, oh, D23 are definitely going to do Fantastic Four. And it's like, no, Nothing. we don't need to quite... We, we can save it for later. We, we've got plenty going on. We can, yeah. we can tell you about that later. Who would you want as like the Fantastic forecast have you, well, have you thought did, about it Mike? I, i'm just looking to see what the rumors are flying around at the moment uh john krasinski obviously played a version of reed richards so i think he could do that certainly oh yeah that, yeah. that would be great. A couple of other names that have been floated around for that. Uh, Tom Ellis from Lucifer, which I could see working as well. Mm-hmm. Penn Bagley from You, which I can actually see that as well. You know, it's this. That the of, main, that's the main, the main guy. guy. Okay, yeah. right. Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny was another name that, I, that apparently has been banded around as well for that. I mean, it, it depends how busy Krasinski is and whether he wants to sign up for mm. a long MCU role. But um, yeah, Tom Ellis, I think, would be great. Because they said about Emily Blunt joining John as um, what's her name Sue Storm Sue that's it yeah Yeah. you um, see that I could see working Emily Blunt to Sue Storm and, they are literally and, a married couple so. yeah that that yeah. I think would be interesting in regards to Sue Storm Jodie Comer is one name that's been floated around um, it'd be great she's a fantastic actress yeah because she's, she's amazing uh, Rachel Brahasnan from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel apparently was another name that was being banded around hmm. I don't know you get to play Torch you need a solid younger actor to play that KJ Apper maybe from Riverdale somebody like that would be an interesting one for Johnny that's a good choice that, I mean that... Riverdale went to the point where it was using they, they were doing powers so he's familiar with it already <laughs> yeah yeah for Thing I, I don't know just needs a, a sort of big guy I thought Michael Chiklis did a wonderful job of playing Thing on the old where he was actually in a physical suit for those uh, older Fantastic Four films so I mean I'd be happy if he came back and did it because you know at least he's not going to get dressed up in rubber to do it this time so yeah some good choices out there with John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, they also played obviously the couple in Quiet Place. Yes. Film. 
they were in that together and that's a fantastic film so yeah, yeah and of course you have the whole X-Men to cast as well yeah <laughs> so it's pretty exciting Wolverine's going to be the most tricky one because that's such a how do you follow up Hugh Jackman yeah no I mean um, and even with Patrick Stewart how do you follow up Professor X well yeah I mean unless you go you've sort of got to go for a younger actor maybe you go and bring some of the younger X-Men over I mean some of that Fox cast was pretty good like James McAvoy yeah that. yeah yeah. I mean James McAvoy I could see Sophie Turner carrying it on there's been a few names I've seen banded around for Wolverine Kit Harrington being one of them which I could see working what about Carl Urban yeah there's certain parts where I'm seeing Billy Butcher obviously in the boys and I'm like there's that gritty middle-aged man thing about him yeah that fits pretty well like you've just put some I mean that show's already quite violent and everything so you just put some claws on him and he's, <laughs> he's, he's good to go well yeah I could see that I'm not sure he'd do it given the fact that that would be another comic book character although if you got after an MCU role I mean mm-hmm. why not but I could also see that working yeah there's lots of good actors there and I mean these are all sort of fan casting and yeah we're and just throwing out ideas um, yeah, yeah just throwing out ideas but yeah there was so- also that discussion recently when Better Cossol was coming to an end about John Carlos Bazito in one of the potential roles obviously there's no question about his acting ability so yeah. lots of options yeah but no in terms of uh, Adam Driver he could yeah he could fit that Possibly. Yeah, yeah, Doom, I could see him fitting really well. But we'll have to wait and see. I mean, as say, these are rumoured sort of things and nothing has been officially kind of announced in terms of those castings. But uh, those are, those are the rumours are, are Sasha Baron Cohen from Mephisto and Adam Driver for something in Fantastic Four. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see their next sort of big announcement. That's all the news we've got for this week. We have some quite a lot of highlights for next week on TV coming up next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, highlights for next week on TV. There is quite a few things starting. Tales of the Jedi kicks things off. That's on the 26th of October. That's on Disney+. Plus. That's that new short-form animated mm. series from Dave Filoni. That looks like it's going to be really interesting. So, I'm looking forward to that. Mysterious Benedict Society also starts on the 26th of October. That's the second season that comes back. So, if you want to follow along with that, that is back. First season's already up on Disney+. Plus. Then we have... Grey's Anatomy and Station 19 they both drop on the 26th as well they are coming on Disney Plus which I know has upset a lot of people because it's Disney taking their shows back off Sky but that's the way it is if you want to watch Disney owned shows they're all going to end up going to Disney Plus at some point anything that is made by Disney is going to go out on Disney Plus they're not selling their shows to other people they're reclaiming everything so which I think is smart to be honest yeah I know there's a lot of people complaining about the price of streaming services and I get that but at this point I would ditch Sky get an TV box and get Disney Plus it's cheaper or at least the same sort of price and I'd do- advise getting a Roku box they have more apps than an TV box well yes that is true if you need an actual smart TV sort of extension thing go and buy a Roku stick because they're reasonably cheap and, and the Roku box is really really small <laughs> as well so if you if you need somewhere small to put your Roku box it's very very small that's also got like Paramount and Apple and all those sorts of ones and yeah. MUTV if you want that for whatever reason yeah. um, like you said yeah Disney Plus is actually cheaper than Sky so technically a better deal <laughs> yes yeah and, and now TV is much much cheaper than Sky so yeah you've got those we've got uh, Grey's Anatomy season 19 at station 19 at season 6 both coming on the 26th of October to Disney Plus Star Trek Prodigy returns for the second half of its first season that's on Paramount Plus on the 27th of October that was back and then over on the BBC on 
I play it, they've picked up Pretty Little Liars Original Sin, which is the new sort of reboot continuation series that uh, has been airing on HBO Max in the US. That's coming to BBC iPlayer. That's on the 28th of October, that lands. Big Mouth returns for a sixth season. That's on Netflix. That's on the 28th of October, so you can catch that there. Also on the 28th, you've got The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself. That's coming on Netflix, which is a darkly humorous romantic roller coaster ride of a YA show from Joe Barton. Joe Barton being the person that was behind the brilliant The Lazarus Project, which was the Sky series and uh, Girl to Jai as well. He's a wonderful, wonderful writer, and uh, I'm really interested to see what that is like. That's 28th of October. Then Motherland Fort Salem, that returns for its third and final season. That's coming to BBC Three on the 30th of October at 9pm. Also on the BBC, we have SAS Rogue Heroes. That's coming on the 30th of October at 9pm as well. That's from Stephen Knight, the man behind Peaky Blinders. And that tells the incredible story of how the world-renowned Special Forces unit, the SAS, came into existence. On the 30th of October at 8pm, we have the return of Top Gear for its 33rd season. That is back. Over on Sky Atlantic, we have the White Lotus on the 31st of October. That's coming for its second season. That's at 9pm. And over on Sky Witness on the 1st of November at 9pm, we have The Good Doctor returning for season six. That's come around fairly fast. I think they've only just finished airing season five. So uh, that's good news if you're a Good Doctor fan. Lots and lots of stuff to look at this week. What will you be up to? So you can find me over on entertainmenttalk.org or on your favourite podcast platforms by searching for the same name. We do TV, games, films and May Night podcasts. Uh, stuff's been going well over there. I've got some recent United cast, May Night review episodes including the story of Ronaldo walking out of the stadium that is a real thing that happened so we talked about all that and obviously the recent results and things so we've got that going on uh, gaming talk still ongoing we talked about some things yesterday so on Sunday Black Adam review I'm going to plan and got to make some notes for it doing an episode talking about what Netflix are doing so look out for that soon Walking Dead we're still continuing with that I do want to do a Wrexham review with you and with Robert because he's been watching it as well and right. we all come from completely different places where it comes to yes. British football so we'd all have like completely different perspectives on it so that'd be good so look up for that at some point uh, House of Dragon Game of Thrones finishes this week so I hope to do a season review for that lots of stuff going on over there over on entertainmenttalk.org and podcast platforms if you want to follow me on Twitch it's etalkuk for various different streams and if you've missed any of those or the game clips and things Entertainment Talk plays over on YouTube I did a very very long kind of frustrating last stream for Modern Warfare 19 playing my final games and then streamed the first hour of the Modern Warfare campaign so you can check those out if you want to as well and that's what I'm up to at the moment cool so go and check Matt out over on entertainmenttalk.org for other people involved in the show you can of course find Bex over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites that's B-Y-T-E-S she is streaming most days and uh, some evenings as well so go and check her out over there I think she's doing full throttle at the moment on one of her streams which is the classic LucasArts games point and click adventure it's a wonderful wonderful game that so uh, she's been apparently doing that recently and I know she was doing Little Nightmares as well so uh, go and I'm check. still watching her play that and yeah. I'm really really enjoying that Little Nightmares 2 is great yes go and check her out over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites and for Daryl you can go to hollywoodnorthnews.net for all the series that you love that are shot in Canada it is MCM Comic Con this weekend as well so uh, I will be down at MCM Comic Con and um, I will be wandering around on the floor and I will be doing interviews and recording panels and all that sort of stuff so uh, say hello if you happen to bump into me when we're down at MCM Comic Con 
in London. I think <laughs> Daryl will be down there as well. So we'll be uh, we'll be wandering around the show. I've got some good guests coming up. And for us during the rest of the week, if you want to go to the website at geektown.co.uk, throughout the week you can see all the latest air data information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.